I want to thank my team today. We are, we are a skeleton crew this morning. We have Jeanette out, we have Chooks and Shalencia out, we have Dave out, and then we got a call this morning, Kathleen uh, told us that Veronica has a fever, so we have Veronica out and Tara's out. So we are a skeleton crew this morning, but God still reigns, that's the good news. So, well thank you for filling in everyone, and uh, we're so excited to have you here today. Got a big topic to talk about, and a little time to do it in. So I want to take this topic today, and I want to hopefully give it some kind of an appropriate response from a biblical perspective. The topic today that we are going to look at is a topic of gender identity from a biblical perspective. The Bible says this, God said... Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, our world is so confused. A just punishment for a society that rejects the God of truth. Your word tells us that Jesus came full of grace and truth. That if we are to see truth in its absolute form anywhere in this world, we are to see your glory. All truth belongs to you. You are the author of truth. There is no shadow in you. There is no lie in you. And all truth, all your truth is good. It is holy. It is righteous. We need not fear it. Even when that truth should contradict our deepest desires even if that truth should lead us to be persecuted by our society, even if that truth should cause us to lose relationships with loved ones and friends, it is better that we be true than that we have peace. Lord, you know that truth is sacrificed on the altar of peace. But there can be no peace without truth. It was you, Lord Jesus, who sent your disciples out into the world to make us peacemakers, not to make us peacekeepers. And the only way we make peace is by bringing the truth into the world. The world is dark 
and you have called us to be light. In this day and age, we have the opportunity, so many opportunities, to be light in magnificent ways, to reveal your glory, to be the salt that we need to be, to preserve and to purify a world that is hell-bent. Father, we pray that we might honor you by being faithful to your true word. Give us courage, give us clarity, give us wisdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Pretty simple statement that I want us to look at this morning. God has created society to function and to flourish based upon the unity and diversity of human gender. Let me say that again. God has created society to function and to flourish based upon the unity and the diversity of human gender. The first Trinitarian act that we see... That's not to say that there are not Trinitarian acts before them, but the first Trinitarian act that the Bible specifically identifies is when God makes man in his image. The Bible says in his image he made him, he made them male and female. That God has created mankind with two genders is foundational to our society. And we ought to expect any society that is eroding the gender distinctions, the binary genders that God has made between man and woman, we ought to expect that society to not only, the one that erodes those distinctions, to not only be confused about male and female relationships, but to be confused about everything else, from sexuality to society as a whole. says, God blessed this unity. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. God gave man who he created in his image, male and female, he created them to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. In other words, God created male and female image bearers to have more image bearers. And to do so as a one flesh union. Do I need to be specific or is that enough? How that works. God made man male and female, and to fulfill the creation mandate of multiplying and fulfilling the earth, it takes man and woman. But the Bible also says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I don't remember who it was who said this is a man's world, but they're wrong. 
It is man and woman's world to have dominion. I want my daughter to hear this, so I'm waiting for her to sit down here. <laughs> God made man and woman to have dominion over the earth. And to care for the earth and to perpetuate society as men and as women. God did not specify, however, how gender should look in the particulars of each culture, but only that each culture should reflect the distinctions that are obvious between males and females. We're having an issue today, so I can't put up my slides, but the slide, I'll, I'll just describe it to you. That's the same, isn't it? The slide has a picture of a boy, a blue image of a boy, and a pink image of a girl. And in the boy's head are tools, and in the girl's head are hair products. And the picture reflects gender distinctions that we have made here in America and distinctions that we make between boys and girls. Boys want to build things and girls want to look pretty, right? Maybe yes or no. I know plenty of women. Some of, the, some of my, my favorite woodworkers are women who I watch on YouTube. And I am learning much from them. And the guys who work on my hair, they're all men. Everybody who cuts my hair and I buy hair product from, they're all men. And it's okay. Because the Bible nowhere gives us a clear gender distinction in our career paths or what we ought to be doing. There is this idea that true Christian gender identity, uh, identity means that man must work and woman must stay in the home. That's not the case. The Bible nowhere says that that's what it should be. I wash dishes. Sometimes. I mean, I, mean, I, I put them in the dishwasher, you know? That's why we have a dishwasher. My wife manages the finances because she does it so much better than I do. In my home growing up, my father managed the finances and my mother did other things. But there was no playbook in the Bible that tells us now a woman must manage the finances, she must be in the kitchen, she must make biscuits, she must do X, Y, and Z. And there's nothing that says that men have to be at work and outside and doing X, Y, and Z either. We have adapted to the gender distinctions that our culture has made. And what we have to do is we have to go back and ask the question, what does the Bible prize above everything else? And the main thing that the Bible prizes above everything else is that at the very least from what we observe in everyday experience is that the genders are different. However, whatever, they are different. One clinical psychologist notes that in Scandinavian countries, 
which have done much to flatten out gender distinctions between males and females, that the genders have actually gotten, or the gender distinctions have actually increased and become larger all on their own. In other words, in a society where they have embraced the idea that gender is a social construct, that means something we created rather than something we were born with, that those countries that have embraced that notion and have tried to flatten out gender distinctions, genders, male and female, have actually gravitated in opposite directions. And they have done so en masse. That women have followed what might be considered traditional female roles and men have followed what might be considered traditional male roles based all upon their choice. In the countries where the most has been done to equalize the playing field between men and women, says clinical psychologist and internationally best-selling author Jordan Peterson, men and women get more different than more the same. So please hear what I'm saying this morning. While different cultures have different expectations about what it means to be a boy and what it means to be a girl or what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman, and while those different expectations are Different enough to say that there are distinctions that can be made. It is not enough to say that they are arbitrary social constructions that may or may not properly reflect their God-given gender distinctions. Man and woman have been created distinct from one another, yet equal in God's economy. Last year, Time Magazine had on the cover of its March issue a picture of Mary McGuire, who identifies as queer and gender non-conforming. Marie was born a boy, but he rejects the traditional belief that sex and gender are the same thing. The feature article was entitled, Moving beyond he or she. Think about that. The most common thing. The thing that almost every child is born with is a distinction between boys and girls. And this article explored the gender change that was taking hold in America today. The article focused specifically on how the younger generations of Americans are rejecting notions of who society is telling them to be. Katie Steinmetz, the writer of, or author of the article, said this. Many who were interviewed said that they believe that both sexuality and gender are less like a toggle between this or that, in other words, male or female, and that they are more like a spectrum that allows for many, even endless permutations of identity. Some of those young people identified as straight, others as gay, still others as gender queer, gender fluid, 
asexual and gender non-conforming. Several said that they even used the pronoun they rather than he or she to refer to themselves. Facebook has over 60 gender options for its users to choose from. You know, it used to be just check male or female on the box. Male or female. And now, popular social networking sites have over 60 gender options. All based upon the idea that gender identity was created by man rather than the biblical teaching that gender identity was created by God to reflect his glory. On Tinder, a popular dating app, by the way, if you know anything about the app Tinder, you ought to find out about it from someone who's uh, under the age of 30 in your home or in your life. That is a very aptly named for that type of app. It's a dating app where boys and girls check and see which one they want uh, to date. It's really called a hookup app. And they press yes or a thumbs up or a thumbs down based upon their view. Talk about objectifying someone. Their worth is based upon their appearance. Tinder has approximately 40 different gender options to choose from. I thank the Lord that I'm not dating today. There is a popular children's book that is taught in many public schools entitled Red, a crayon story that depicts a blue crayon trapped in a red crayon wrapper. It's very, I read, I read it last night online and I can tell you it is very, very persuasive, especially to minds, childlike minds which are sponges and are trying to make sense of the world, we already have Satan coming in like a wolf among sheep trying to slaughter and scatter the flock by doing so to destroy the image of God. The book depicts a red crayon or a blue crayon in a red wrapper. And in the story, Red is forced by society to conform to what he looks like on the outside rather than be who he truly is on the inside. The book is, of course, a metaphor for all sorts of people feeling oppressed by society, forcing them to be who they are on the outside, even if they don't feel that way on the inside. The American Psychiatric Association has labeled this reality, the reality of the crayon, gender dysphoria as opposed to a disorder. It is now a sadness rather than being a psychological disease. They have labeled it gender dysphoria and have defined it as a conflict between a person's physical or, listen to this, assigned gender 
and the gender with which he or she or they identify. Think about what they've just said. I was born just like all three of my children were born, okay? They were born. You pull the baby out. You pick the baby up in the air. You look at the baby, and you go, boy, or you go, girl. And today's culture says that is assigning gender. We have made the decision rather than their biological gender, which is obvious to anyone with eyes. The American Psychiatric Association has succumbed to the social pressures that view gender as a social construct rather than a bio biological reality and has even endorsed the notion that gender is not inherent at birth but is something that is assigned by our society. God help us. When I was in science class with Mr. Hearn, he had an important word that he used from time to time, and that word was entropy. Anybody who ever studied with Mr. Hearn knows the word entropy. And he defined this second law of thermodynamics as objects in the universe tend towards disorder rather than order. They tend towards disorder. Right? It's true. If you have a garden in your front yard, you have to tend it regularly in order to keep that garden beautiful. You have to pull its weeds up. You have to mow down the grass. You have to make sure you're watering your plants. You have to make sure that you give it weed and feed because if you don't, it will become overrun. And the beautiful flowers that God made will be choked out by the weeds because objects tend towards entropy. But just like our garden analogy, society does the same thing. And it's why Jesus Christ told his disciples that they were to go into the world and they were to be two things, salt and light. Salt, says Timothy Keller, has the function of preserving and purifying things. It keeps things the way they listen to this word, ought to be. Based on the assumption that there is an absolute standard of the way things ought to be. And that that salt also not only preserves, but that it cleanses when things are not as they ought to be, the salt has a responsibility of getting those alien invaders out of its meat. Take, for instance, is what they use salt in the Bible. Biblical days, what we use salt for now, it's why when you open up that can of Spam, that thing can be sitting there for 25 years, and it still looks like a piece of ham. It's not ham, by the way. You know how it is. It's whatever. But it's good, right? Anybody put it in their rice? No? Nobody want to admit that? Okay, well, 
I guess I'm a little bit more country than you all are. Salt preserves it. And so it looks the way that it should look. And when you open it up, it, it makes it look. But, but Tim Keller says not only about this salt, but that it preserves, but that it's chemically different from the meat. If it weren't chemically different from the meat, it would have no ability to either preserve or to cleanse or purify it. Take the analogy now to society, what Jesus has given us. We are to be different from society. How are we different by society? We demonstrate God's image by upholding the gender differences. They're equal worth, but they're distinct differences. But society, too, tends towards entropy. It is moving towards more and more chaotic disorder. The actual definition of entropy is gradual decline into disorder. Gradual. You know, people always ask the question, you know, if we just do this, it's not like X is going to be the result. I mean, don't assume that if you affirm gay marriage today that down the road there might be some kind of restriction placed on your religious views except for the fact that all we saw or all we have seen since 2016 has been court case after court case asking how Christians can deny that same-sex marriage is a valid expression of marriage and that not be considered discrimination. Objects like society tend towards more and more disorder. And so this is a big deal. It is not just simple confusion from children. It is a society that allows those children to stay confused and to say this is beautiful. It is dysphoria rather than disease. It is a sadness that you have. It is not something that needs to be treated. It is something that needs to be embraced and that we need to push our children into. Already, families, though few, but already families have chosen to give their children hormones that will push them towards more masculine qualities or more female qualities. There's a very famous show on television called I Am Jazz about a boy whose parents allowed him to embrace his female qualities and now he looks like a very beautiful girl. You know, it's the children that I have sympathy for, and it is the giant finger of shame that I'm pointing at the parents and the adults of our society. Our society is tending towards entropy. How did we get here? How, how did we get from being able to observe physical, biological, gender differences all the way over to there being 40 to 60 gender identities today. I have my answer. Our society has rejected the God of the Bible, his laws, his will, his terms, his definitions, 
his everything. And what we're witnessing in the West, that is Christian culture, is not simply a non-Christian world, but a post-Christian world. And the distinction is very important. There are many non-Christian civilizations, but even non-Christian civilizations, the majority of non-Christian civilizations recognize what ought to be because God has written his law on their hearts in these non-Christian societies. There's nothing like an entirely indigenous homosexual tribe, or at least if there was, it ain't no more. Ask me how I know. How could that work? How could we as a society embrace homosexuality as a normative sexual reality and perpetuate our society? You say, well, we have science that can help us today. You don't need to have a, a man and a woman to make a baby. By the way, yes, you do. Where do you think sperm comes? Where do you think the eggs come from? They come from men and women. Yeah, but you don't have to have sex. You can put them in a Petri dish, and you can spin them around, and they'll form into embryos, and then you can implant those embryos into the womb of another person. You can, but many other cultures can't. And so this idea that this is natural, that this is what we ought to be doing, is denied by the rest of the non-Christian world. But we're living in a post-Christian world. What do I mean? I mean a world where right and wrong are defined as the opposite of God's word. even to the point of the opposite of common sense. What did Scripture say? Claiming to be wise, they became what? Fools. You can get online and you can read article after article that there are 60 or more genders or that there is no such thing as a binary. That means two, male and female, gender reality, but that that's a social construct. And you can read it by a PhD who has multiple letters after his name. But what does that have to do with the common sense reality of what we observe on a daily basis? Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Many, if not most, non-Christian cultures recognize these distinctions, whereas in our culture today, we deny them because we deny our God. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to Romans 1.18. Romans 1.18. By the way, I notice I've been listening to my sermons after the week. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just, somebody says, you sound like you're yelling. I'm, I'm just passionate. How can you not be? 
When you have three children and you turn on the television today and what used to be cartoons that were sensitive and that were, that were not pressing social agendas, now they're pressing social agendas on your children. How, how can you not be passionate about this? Well, I'm answering the question, how did we get here to this post-Christian world where we have rejected by contradiction God's law? Well, let's look at Romans 1.18. Listen to what the Bible says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What is the wrath of God? It is chaos. The word chaos means disorder. As opposed to the cosmos, which means order. What God will do to a society that rejects him is he will let it have what it asked for. Namely, the removal of himself and the chaos that ensues. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Notice that it's not not godliness, it's ungodliness. It's the antithesis to godliness. And unrighteousness, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That is that they press it down. They know it, but they hide it. They know it, but they deny it. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Because God has shown it to them. Remember my analogy of picking up a baby? I was watching Shark Week. You know the, how they figured out whether it was a male or a female? They didn't ask the shark. They didn't say, excuse me, Jaws, uh, how do you identify yourself? Oh, a non-conforming male. Oh, okay. No, you know what they did? They flipped the shark over. I mean, carefully. But they flipped him over. That's a boy. It's plain. It's plain. It's obvious. And even the, sh the male sharks and the female sharks, guess what? They behave differently. They're not the same. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. God, you don't have to have a PhD to understand gender. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. We ought to be, we ought to be very leery of the idea that all of a sudden, for the entire history of human, of human, uh, of mankind, we've understood boys and girls, and now we think that they're different. That there's more. We've gotten it wrong for some however long man's been on the earth. Six to ten thousand years, maybe forty thousand years. However long man's been on the earth, we've gotten it wrong. And now somebody who came along in 1954 gave us the truth. But God says it, it, it's been perceived ever since the beginning. So that men are without excuse... 
For although, listen, although they knew God, this used to be a country that knew God. The American church used to know God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. To honor God as God is to obey God's word because he is the Lord. Claiming to be wise, Paul said, they became fools. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Which is exactly, if I had the picture, what I would show you what our non-conforming citizens or non-conforming, gender non-conforming citizens look like. They are a replacement of the image of God. You right now, in your sexuality, in, excuse me, in your gender, reflect the image of God. To change that is to make an idol. It is to reject God. Therefore, therefore is what we call in logic a conclusion indicator. This is the consequence of that decision. God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged, this was an exchange, this was a decision, a calculated decision to say, I don't want God's way, I'm going to choose my way. And they exchanged, says the Bible, the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You say, how are we worshiping the creature? Very simple. We go to our child. We ask our child, what do you feel like today? They say a cucumber, and we say, their gender is now cucumber non-conforming. What we're saying is that the individual has the right to determine reality for himself. I think to many Americans, that idea that you don't have the right to determine reality for yourself is something that might bother you. But you can't. Kellen told me yesterday, we were driving around, and uh, we went on a kind of a, a, a boy's day. And he said to me, Daddy, I wish, there, I wish we lived in a, this is what he said, I wish we lived in a world where there were no stop signs or red lights. <laughs> For anybody who knows Kellen, yes, he does. And I, I wanted to make sure he understood, we got to have those. Anybody who knows Kellen, he doesn't like to stop. That's, that's true. He really said that. I don't like stops. I wish we, this is what he said. I wish we lived in a world where there were no stop signs or red lights. I think a lot of us wish we lived in a world where we could choose our own reality. But thank God we can't. Because when that man decides to go to the bar and get drunk and get behind the wheel of a car... And live like he's the only individual on the road. It affects everyone. In grave ways. You can't reject God. And have cosmos. You can't do it. You can't have order. 
You must follow God's will for the world if you want this society to work. But the Bible says God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. They chose man's way instead of God's way. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. What is their due penalty? The very act itself. He's speaking about homosexuality. God's wrath, God's curse is to allow the one who desires to embrace his desires over God's to have it. It won't work. We won't have peace. We won't have cosmos. We won't have order. We won't have good. But God, to show his glory, will allow the removal of himself from a situation to show us how dark it can be without him. Listen to what Jesus said. You have to be light. Why? Because a world without God is cold and dark. He goes on. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God... God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. The word debased means to be without moral conscience. They were filled with all manner. So just to make this point very clear to you, this is not a passage, this is not an anti-homosexual, anti-transgender passage. It's not. It's actually an anti-sin passage and showing how we get to where we are in our lives, where our sin has overtaken us. How do we get there? Rejection of God. So watch this. He's going to name some of the sins that are actually in our lives. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil and covetousness and malice. They were full of envy. They wanted what others had. Murder. They hated each other. They hated people for their race, or they hated people for their, for their money, or they hated people for their position. They were full of strife, deceivers, maliciousness. They are gossips. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. You, you want to know what boastfulness is? Just turn on the pop music station. That's boastfulness. Inventors of evil. Inventing ways of evil, as if to say, the evil that we're doing is not good enough. Let us invent new ways of being wicked. Disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, 
ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but listen, listen, but give approval to those who practice them. The most wicked thing that we can do as a Christian church is give approval to what God disapproves of. There is no greater wickedness. And yet churches today, in order to conform to the social pressures of homosexuality and transgenderism, are conforming to what God has said is sin. Well, what do we do? I think it's important that we work towards a biblically faithful response. A biblically faithful and common sense approach to gender identity. I want to read this as we leave this morning. Well, as I conclude this morning. This was adopted by the Southern Baptist Convention. A resolution adopted by the Southern Baptist Convention, which uh, we are part of, in 2014 on transgender and gender identity. I believe it is biblical, I believe it is, I believe it is common sense, and I also believe it's compassionate. You know, one of the things that can be lost in everything that I said this morning is a need to be compassionate to people who may be struggling with transgender dysphoria, if you will. You know, the point of that passage that I just read was that it's not just people who have sexual inclinations that are different from what is common to man, but that all of us really, envious, gossips, all of us really have rejected God in some way or another. We have to be compassionate. When you go out there and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not better than the person you're sharing it with. Because they struggle with something that may be very rare. And by the way, transgenderism is very rare. It's less than 1% of society struggles with gender dysphoria. You're not better than them. But you know what you are? You're in better condition than they are. Those who don't know Jesus. Not because you have got your stuff together because may or may not have your stuff together, but because you are a beggar who has found the bread of life and you're just trying to tell the next starving beggar where he or she can find the bread of life. God shows no partiality. When you stand before God, he's not going to be impressed with anything you did in the flesh. What makes God... What makes us able to stand before God is that we are in Christ alone. Paul said, I have forsaken everything that I may know Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but Christ lives in me. So that when God looks at us, it is not going to be thumbs up. It's going to be your pardon because you're in my son. You have Christ Jesus this morning. You have salvation. 
in his name and in his name alone. So have compassion for those who are struggling with transgenderism or uh, homosexual tendencies or whatever it may be. But also don't compromise the truth. Because you feel that it's too awkward to discuss. You say, what are you talking about? I never talk to people like this. Yeah, but you have more of an opportunity than ever before. You have social media at your fingertips. How are you bringing light into that dark world, into the dark web? Here was the, what the Southern Baptist Convention adopted on 2014. Whereas all persons are created in God's image and are made to glorify him, even people who have made the sexual transition to even have the, to even have the sex operation are still made in the image of God. You understand? They're still image bearers. It's tragic, yes, but they're still image bearers. Whereas God's design was the creation of two distinct and complementary sexes, male and female, which designate the fundamental distinction that God is embedded in the very biology of human race. And whereas distinctions in masculine and feminine roles as ordained by God are part of the created order and should find expression in every human heart. Whereas the fall of man into sin and God's subsequent curse have introduced brokenness and futility into God's creation. In other words, we ought to expect to find all of these different types of sins. You find them in your own life. I find them in mine. We ought to expect to find it because we are all sinful and fall short of the glory of God. Whereas according to 2011 survey, about 700,000 Americans perceive their gender identity to be at variance with the physical reality of their biological birth sex. And whereas transgenderism differs from hermaphroditism or intersexualism in that sex of the individual is not biologically ambiguous, but psychologically ambiguous. In other words, it's what's going on in their head, not in their body. And whereas the American Psychiatric Association removed this condition, namely gender identity disorder, from the list of disorders in 2013 and substituted it for gender identity disorder with gender dysphoria, and whereas the American Psychiatric Association includes among its treatment options for gender dysphoria cross-sex hormone therapy, gender reassignment surgery, and social and legal transition to the desired gender. In other words, bathroom laws. Or locker room laws. Whereas news reports indicate that parents are allowing their children to undergo these therapies. Children to undergo these therapies. And whereas many LGBT activists have sought to normalize the transgender experience and to define gender according to one's self-perception apart from biological anatomy, and whereas the separation of one's gender identity from the physical reality of biological birth sex poses the harmful effect of engendering an understanding of sexuality and personhood that is fluid, 
And whereas some public schools are now encouraging parents and teachers to affirm the feelings of children whose self-perception of their own gender is at variance with their biological God-given sex, and whereas some public schools are allowing access to restrooms and locker rooms according to children's self-perception of gender and not according to their biological sex. Boy, could you imagine having that, boys, 20 years ago? Oh, today I feel like a girl, so I'm going in the girls' locker room. Are you kidding me? You think I want my daughter growing up in that world or my son growing up in that world? Claiming to be wise. Just claiming to be wise, they became fools. Whereas the state of New Jersey now prohibits licensed counselors from any attempt to change a child's gender expression, you can be, you can be held accountable by criminal law for trying to help someone with gender identity dysphoria go back to what their original biological sex is. There are even, there are even uh, county resolutions in this county that are already trying to prohibit pastors from giving any kind of therapy that would help this person move back towards their original gender. Whereas the cultural currents run counter to the biblical teaching as summarized in the Baptist faith and message, that's our confession of faith as a church. Article 3, namely that man is the special creation of God and that he was made in his own image and that God created them male and female as the crowning work of his creation. The gift of gender is thus part of the goodness of God's creation. Now therefore be it. Here's the resolution. We resolve that the messengers of the Southern Baptist Convention, who were in Maryland on June 10th, 11th, and 2014, affirm God's good design that gender identity is determined by biological sex and not by one's self-perception. I affirm that. A perception which is often influenced by fallen human nature in ways contrary to God's design. And be it further resolved... That we grieve the reality of human fallenness which can result in such biological manifestations as intersexuality or psychological manifestations as gender identity confusion and point to the hope of the redemption of our bodies in Christ Jesus alone. I affirm that. And we are resolved that we extend love and compassion to those whose sexual self-understanding is shaped by a distressing conflict between their biological sex and their gender identity. I affirm that. We are further resolved that we invite, let me say this one very carefully, that we invite all transgender persons to trust in Christ and to experience renewal in the gospel. I affirm that. Amen. That we love our transgender neighbors. I said that we love our transgender neighbors and seek their good always. Welcome them to our churches. I said welcome them. Welcome them 
to our churches. And as they repent and believe in Christ, notice the words. Listen, as they repent. The word repent means to turn away from and walk in a different direction. As they repent and believe in Christ, that we receive them into church membership. I affirm that. That we regard our transgender neighbors as image bearers of Almighty God and therefore condemn acts of abuse or bullying committed against them. I affirm that. That we oppose efforts to alter one's body identity Namely, cross-sex hormone therapy, gender reassignment surgery. And we oppose to refashion it to conform with one's perceived gender identity. I affirm that. We must oppose this. The way is to not let sin reign, but to let Christ reign. That we continue to oppose steadfastly all efforts by any governing official or body to validate transgender identity as a morally praiseworthy reality. I affirm that. And finally, that our love for the gospel and urgency for the Great Commission, that is to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey all which Christ has commanded of them. And to remember that Christ is with us even into the ends of the earth. That our love for the gospel and the urgency of the Great Commission must include declaring the entire word of God. Proclaiming only what scripture teaches about God's good design for us as male and female persons created in his image, and for the glory of God. I affirm that. Church, we must speak out. We must be salt and light. It is not enough to sit by and be quiet. We must let our voices be heard and speak the truth in love. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to be salt and light for your glory. Amen.